We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm and Jeffrey Wright here with you. He will join me momentarily. We will talk a few topics. We'll answer some of your questions. Appreciate everybody on the message board for uh, supplying those as we're here with you for a little over an hour here today on the show. Neil out of town. Big family weekend for him. So me and Jeffrey at the controls this morning here with you for the uh, the podcast. A podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford, you know about the lunch specials, you know about the ribs. They take care of dinner this weekend for you. Maybe you got some uh, a cookout, a catering situation. Wet or dry, call ahead, wrap them up, pick them up. They'll be ready to go with the Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations across Mississippi. There are lots of up and down I-55 throughout North Mississippi as well. And donuts, telling you about that every day. Homemade donuts, Brookhaven and Clinton locations now for those. I hope you uh, entered the Rebel Ready social media chance to win some box tickets to Ole Miss and Auburn on Saturday. Again, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for that, starting at 7 o'clock tonight. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South in Amory. You can call Corey. You can let him be your truck guy. Let him be your car guy. No matter where you are in the process, let him take care of you. He just wants a chance wants to move you through uh, the car buying process and get an opportunity to uh, help you and serve you in that realm. And then again, Jeffrey will join me on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline. Andy Ludicree. Ludicree is your man. If you're interested in franchises, if you want to give it a shot, look around, see what's out there. Again, My Perfect Franchise there with the hotline. As I uh, as I said a second ago, Ole Miss and Auburn getting started tonight, 7 o'clock Central. For that, it's on ESPNU, so be aware of that. ESPNU there for uh, that one Friday, um, 6.30. So 7 o'clock, 6.30, and then on Saturday, 2 o'clock Central is the finale. Ole Miss going with the same rotation uh, as they have the last um, – <clears throat> sorry, my voice is still not 100%, even though it's much better. Ole Miss going with Xavier Rivas today, JT Quinn tomorrow, and then uh, TBA on uh, on Saturday. Auburn up. Uh, Butch has done a nice job there. They're 27 and 19, 11 and 13 in the SEC. I know they're under 500. It's not perfect, but uh, they've been without Joseph Gonzalez for pretty much the year. 
their ace as well. So Ole Miss without Elliott, Mallets. We'll see what the availabilities are for uh, Morrell and Jones as we move forward here this weekend. But Auburn uh, had to kind of throw on and piece things together from a pitching standpoint as well. There again, they uh, they're going with Chase Alsop, the right-handed pitcher. He is 0-1 with a 7.2 ERA. He's walking a lot of guys, too. He's only she struck out 32. He's walked 25. Tommy Vale tomorrow. He's had some really, really nice efforts. I've been impressed with him to this point this season. He's 4-1, 3-6-8, left-hander, 66 Ks, 35 walks. And then Christian Heberholtz on Saturday, 1-3, 4.37 ERA there with um, Auburn against Ole Miss. Remember uh, Ole Miss trying to make Hoover trying to uh, find that 12th spot over Mississippi State and Missouri. They are tied with State, don't have the tiebreaker. State places places LSU this weekend, and then Missouri is playing Georgia. They have a one-game lead on the Rebels. Jeffrey joining me now on the show. Jeffrey will get connected in a second. Continue with uh, with him. Here on the program again, that is uh, it starts again seven o'clock tonight. I, I was not aware of that. I kind of forgot. So make sure you're aware of the uh, the start time change, start time change there with um, the opener tonight between the Rebels and the Tigers. It is at uh, it is at seven for that one. Then around the league as well. Jeffrey, you there? How are you? I am sorry. I, I was talking with my boss. Oh no, you're good. No problem at all. Uh, did you hate watch Warriors Lakers last night? Was that kind of the move throughout those? No, so, so I had, I'd been discussing, I don't know how much of the Grizzlies Lakers series you saw a decent amount. Sure. This series is like almost following the exact same script game, game one on the road, the Lakers kind of surprise and win game two. It was more of a blowout for the Warriors than it was for the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies didn't have John game two, but sure. you know, comfortable, easy win in game two, game three, the Lakers get home and just absolutely obliterate both the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And then you knew game four was going to be a tough deciding game and the Grizzlies can't make the plays in game four it goes to overtime and they get beat. Well, the Warriors couldn't make the plays down the stretch, like Steph not calling a timeout or just kind of like throwing the ball away, like the the little things. And then game five was a blowout win for the Grizzlies and game five was a blowout win for the Warriors. So it'll be interesting to see, does this mean blowout win for the Lakers in six to win the series? My suspicion is no, because I think the Warriors, um, I think the Warriors are clearly more mature, but they're also like, they also present problems for the Lakers that the Grizzlies couldn't because they can theoretically shoot the basketball. Like it hasn't effectively been the same uh, throughout the series, but they can on, they can in theory shoot the basketball. The Grizzlies can't in theory shoot the basketball. We still have the Golden State sort of DNA in our heads too, where no matter what they look like over the course of a series, we just think that the rattlesnake, that until you cut the head off, it still has an opportunity. It's a different feeling there. They still have an all-time great. Yeah. And, you know, we saw against Sacramento, that all-time great is still capable of doing amazing things. Um, but I think the biggest problem that Golden State has right now, they're just not that good. I know you like the NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. 
do, do you do you get tired of covering it to the level you have to day to day? Um, because you can't be doing as much football as you probably would prefer. Three sixty five. It's an interesting question. Um, I don't, I don't mind talking basketball because, like, I do love basketball. Like, you know, Big Jeff was a basketball player. <laughs> like, yeah. Go, go look at the Hallett Halls of Boonville. Like, <laughs> NEMJC. Like, that's, that's Big Jeff. Not, I mean, I think he played baseball there, too. Okay. Um, one time he tried to play three sports in Juco. It's like, okay, Dad. What are you doing? Um, maybe, maybe pick one. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe at, at that point, pick one. Um, but the thing that annoys me about the NBA is we we don't talk basketball. We talk all of the drama around it and this league and you know. Dylan Brooks and oh my OMG like it bothers me that we don't actually talk basketball we we talk like basketball adjacent topics it's professional wrestling except real sort of yeah and that's and kind of that's that's the other thing it's like okay well part of what makes professional wrestling professional wrestling is there is like writing there's a story being told this is just you know, this is just essentially, you know, people behaving badly. And that's kind of what I, annoys me. I think that might be the thing not talked about, even beyond gameplay or anything else, that is the line of demarcation on people who like the NBA or don't. It's the people who buy into the drama and go, no, this is awesome. It is how I'm spending my day. It is this professional sports version of wrestling, and it's all this stuff. And the people that go, my God, this is nothing but a bunch of dramatic, immature bullcrap. I think that's probably fair. Um and it doesn't help that it seems to be the sport. It seems to be the sport where you have to play the least. Like in the end, the problem is because of the culture war that we're in. Um, it doesn't allow you to honestly talk about issues that the NBA has. Yeah, and everyone just kind of digs in and like has their stance like oh, the NBA sucks because of this, or the NBA is awesome because of this. Like, it doesn't allow anyone. I noticed it when, remember when the uh, ball washing of Adam Silver was like at a peak? It feels like it was like 2015. Um, yeah, sure. And everyone was like, everything this guy does is amazing. Imagine if your sport had him. And it's like, he's a commissioner, dude. He works for owners. Like, he seems to be better at PR. But it's kind of that was when I started noticing, like, all right, the NBA is kind of becoming a battlefront of the culture war. And I'm not all that interested in it, but I like basketball. So um, it just doesn't allow you to have, like, the honest conversations. Like, in the end, if you're if your players don't think that games matter that's inevitably going to make your product suffer. And that's kind of this interesting spot that the NBA's in where, okay, they recognize they started devaluing their own regular season and they had to do something about it. I don't know how your answer to do something about it is, you know, what's going to fix things. Let's put a tournament in the middle of the season, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, 
you know, at least they're trying to do something. Like, I, I will say, like, even if I think they're bad ideas, like, at least they're ideas and you're trying to do something. But they're now at this point where they've devalued their regular season. And you need this year to, in my opinion, to be an outlier in the sense that everyone, everyone made the joke, the regular season doesn't matter. Well, what we're seeing in the playoffs is the regular season didn't matter. They need this to just be something like they need this to be an exception rather than the norm going forward. For the sport, who needs to be be in the finals? Does it matter? Mm, That's interesting. Um, Do you really think. I've always I've always struggled with that question. What's good for the sport? I think. What's good for the sport? Because what it means is what brings new eyeballs, right? I mean, isn't that what we're actually trying to say? I think what people are saying is what brings the most eyeballs. And that's my okay, question. Fair. Is that what's good for the sport or is that what's good for business? Because oh, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, does Miami and L.A., two teams that did not take the regular season seriously, getting out of the play-in tournament and making their way to the finals? Like, is that good for the sport? I don't know, but I know this. Like, how easy is it going to be to sell the Lakers with LeBron against Miami? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the team where he won his first sight, whatnot. Or, you know, the Lakers-Boston. I mean, I think from a business perspective, you always just say, give me Boston, L.A., because that has a that is one of the that's the other problem with the NBA. The NBA doesn't have as much history as the other sports do, but Boston, L.A. has history. And so I suppose from that angle. I just I've never really I've always kind of pushed back on the like what's good for the sport. It's like. Okay, are we saying what's good for the sport? Are we saying what's good for business? Because that's that's always been the... The TV people or the sport, not the same thing. Correct. And you and I, we've discussed this ad nauseum. I do not think what's good for TV people is always what's best for the sport. No. Not at all. No, I also acknowledge what's good for TV people. There's a residual effect. Like, okay, well, that's more money, more money for people, but... I, I do not like what TV people are doing to college sports. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, it, it's a, it's one of the, I mean, I've, I've been beating this drum for weeks and more as people are getting tired of hearing it. I think it's one of the several issues that is harming college sports, especially college football right now, day to day. I mean, I, I think, I think the roots have been poisoned and we just haven't seen it come out to the, the tree yet. Oh, you and I, I feel like you and I have been here, though, for like a couple. Yeah, I mean, this is it's just on and on and on and on. So, I mean, whatever. Because our biggest complaint is not necessarily. Our biggest complaint is that they the TV people want to turn this into professional sports, you know, or the they want to turn college football into the NFL. You and I have this fundamental understanding because we like this is what we grew. This was our football with what we grew Mm -hmm. up with. Like we came into the NFL after college football. If you turn college football into the NFL, it just waters down the product and it makes it less interesting. Well, guess what we're starting to see? Yeah. People only care about game day now. Yeah. 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 They don't know the players care about game day. Can't really keep up with it. Don't have any idea who's coming or going. It's it's a lot of different stuff. And I want to be clear. Um, I'm not pointing the finger at 
any fan that's like, I can't keep oh, up. Oh, yeah, with sure. I, I completely yeah, yeah. understand that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of sit there and step back and go, okay, if I was just a fan, what would I be interested in? What season tickets would I buy? What games would I go to? What would I do? Yeah, and, I mean, that- I mean, and, and I've said this, the answer is I would pick one or two games probably and just find tickets. I would not buy football season tickets. I think that's, I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, aren't you better off if you're just like, because I'm with you, you go to one or two of the big games or whatever, you go to the games that you care about. Yeah, sure. Aren't you better off buying those tickets on the secondary market, even if you're, even if you're, even, even if, if you you're overpay. paying a premium. You're still better off doing that than you are making your donation and buying. You have to buy what at least three games that you don't care about the non cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least because I mean, even those, you know, the the, the pick six, you know, the, like the pick and the pick packages where they give you a few games. That's going to have some duds thrown in there too. And then, I mean, given the current situation, I mean, with beard and everything going on with basketball, I'd probably jump in on basketball right now. And then, obviously, I'd have baseball tickets. That's how I'll do it. And I could get those at a price, you know, much cheaper than football potentially or whatever. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's well, just fascinating as this thing. Let's be real. I mean, I guess if we're saying if I were an average average person, you and I could go to every baseball game we wanted to without having to buy. Well, tickets. I mean, OK, yeah, yeah, fair. I mean, I understand what you mean. But I'm yeah, you like, have no tie ins and you have to purchase the ticket. Correct. Yeah, yeah, sure. So anyway, now, that, all right. Let's that's jump. An interesting question is the most exciting, and I get it. Newer is always better, but is is beard and basketball what people are like the most excited about? Yeah, but, but, but oh, well, I mean, okay, this dovetails into one of the questions. Of, to your point, there is an element of getting in on the ground floor. There's an element of getting in on the ground floor. There is an element of getting I, I, I get the off-court baggage. I'm not I'm not dismissing that, but getting a guy who has simply just won everywhere he's been and really done nothing on the court to be anything but a winner in any way whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's one of the questions I asked the board last night to give us some mailback stuff. And Hattiesburg Reb says, what happens first? Beard takes Rebs to Elite Eight or Lane gets football to CFP. The Elite Eight is such a high bar that I'm not going there. But had it been Sweet 16 or Lane CFP, I would be sitting here really, really turning my gears going, hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, but see, I actually would look at it the other way. What do we think? I'm still thinking that with the CFP, there's going to be, we can't just put, this can't just be an SEC tournament. What do we think the standard is for being like the the last team in? It's nine and three with a good win if you're an SEC team. I mean, because look, here's the deal. That's what I mean. You know, in the past, you had to be in the top 12. Because um, SEC in 12 is going to get at least, in, in a top 12 scenario, is going to get at least three. Under that premise, Ole Miss would have been in in 14, 15, and 21. Okay, we talked years. about this though. In your heart of hearts, do you believe those rankings would be the same if they like? I think it's easier to rank the SEC teams where they do when they know that they're not when it doesn't matter. Yes, and in the end, like in the end, the college football playoff is just kind of a rebranding of the bowl alliances, and so in the end, you, you're going to make you're going to make your bowl partners happy when you're putting SEC teams in those other games. 
Because Can you get care. away with a Big Ten SEC taking up eight of the 12 spots is the question. Four yeah. and four for math's sake. Yeah, and yeah, and then the, the remaining four would be, the, you know, the other group of the five, maybe two Big yeah. 12s and a Pac-12 channel, whatever. Well, aren't you going to have to at least – Oh, you got the ACC in there too. Yeah, okay. But I think – no, I think that's interesting though. Eight's a good number. Can you do Pac-12, Big 12, ACC – whatever g5 can you do eight teams and then those four like because you want to really talk about man what do you think those think pieces are going to be if it essentially just becomes an sec big 10 tournament which back to the other conversations what the tv people would want just give us those head to head and let's play this bitch out yeah i mean the alabama TV- michigan and georgia ohio state in i don't see if you buy yourself I'm convinced a lot of the the pushing of the this is going to t- uh, two super leagues was driven by TV executives because I think it's, well, it's it, yeah it would be heaven it would be like you, it, it's back to the again the other thing it's professional sports it's the AL and the NL and y'all fight it out and then we'll play each other in the playoffs yeah what it is but give like, me two leagues I'm convinced a lot of that leakage though was coming from TV people because the more I step back from him like. This is not the way college athletic people think. You know what I mean? They think even ADs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they, they don't think like that. Like they don't think of it as a television product. You know who thinks of it as a television product? Television executives. Yeah, it's why I'm not as convinced that we're like one thousand percent headed to this. This two league super you know super team era or whatever two two league era to that question a second ago just because i don't want to leave it uh right. what's your thing kiffin to cfp or beer to let's say sweet 16 for the hell of it it really depends on whether you think kiffin has them in the playoff next year 2024 They've got a lot of guys back, potentially have Judkins as a junior. They've got a quarterback, whoever it is. I think your answer has to be the CFP because in the end, getting to a Sweet 16 does take some luck because you have to win two games. So, A, you have to get properly seated or you need, you know, I mean, think about you and I watched some some pretty good college basketball teams in that run late nineties, early two thousands. They got to one sweet 16 and it was close against Iona and Notre Dame. Like Mm -hmm. they had to get the draw, right? I mean, I don't think it's any, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that the year that the only, the best year in program history, they were a three seed. So, there's a lot of things that have to go right during the course of the season. And then you kind of have to have the bracket fall your way. But that works the other way too. Because if you get in, you can have the bracket fall your, your way, even if you're a six seed. You know what I mean? It does, but I, I, I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, but it's very obvious. The better your seed is, the better you're going to do. Like, well, yeah, I mean, no, for, yeah, for all the Cinderella states. Yeah, I mean, sake, sure. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, 
Now, it is inter- interesting, though, to talk about it like in terms of the NBA. We saw this year in the college basketball tournament, seeding seating was either ineffective or didn't matter. Now, college basketball doesn't have a load management problem, doesn't have a problem with um, people playing in the regular season. But, you know, th- I think the thing that will be more interesting with, with Ole Miss moving moving forward in football is what does the schedule look like? Because Ole Miss fans can put their head in the sand. For better or worse, you get to play Vanderbilt every year. And, and it's an not appear schedule. to be the case moving forward. Yeah. Well, because it, 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 it's one of two. It, it's two ways. You get to play at Vanderbilt every year, and the other ones don't. You know what I mean? Like, there's two sides of that. It also, because somebody goes, well, I mean, you still play them every other year. Yeah, but everybody else does too. It's no advantage whatsoever. Correct. And it does kind of sound like it's probably Ole Miss playing State, LSU, and Arkansas as their primaries. Which is not a bad draw. It's a good draw. It's not a a bad draw, but like, you know. It's not a gimme draw. Where's your guaranteed win every year? No. And now that's the thing with Ole Miss. They haven't. But here's the deal. If you actually are in a playoff scenario and you're good enough, and I know we always say this and it never happens, but you kind of have to beat Arkansas and State if you're trying to get to nine and three anyway. That's kind Uh, of on you more than them. Either you're good enough or you're not. Take a break in the podcast, tell you about Prime Shrimp, primeshrimp.com. Seven different flavors available to be shipped right to your door. Fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate with Prime Shrimp. Let them take care of dinner tonight, everything from the New Orleans-style barbecue to the signature. It's two great uh, flavors that are very versatile. I use them on a ton of things, including lunch. Cut them up, throw them on a salad. They even make a great snack by themselves. Again, Fewer than 10 minutes, you get dinner, you get lunch, you get a snack with Prime Shrimp. They're also available in all Rouse's markets throughout Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama. If there's a Rouse's, you can get Prime Shrimp. The lemon cracked pepper flavor is great. Or you make full meals in a bag. The French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb butter. So many options there with Prime Shrimp. That's primeshrimp.com. Use hash, use uh, sorry code RG, code RG, buy five pouches or more, 25% off. 25% off with primeshrimp.com and code RG. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. You have everything you need when you need it with G&M. You can also transfer your medications easily. To do that, you give them a call, one call, they take care of the rest. So whether that's Holly Springs and Tyson Drugs or G&M in Oxford, that's 662-236-2222. Podcast brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. If you're ready for the Grove, join them at Vault Hemingway Stadium this fall for the 2023 football season. Order tickets now to participate in the seat selection process. To explore seating options, visit OleMissTix.com or call them at 662-915-7159 to help lock the vault today. 662 915 Five nine podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark N E S P A R C two packages the Ignite the 100 Mbps or the Blaze the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio your hometown team bringing you world class broadband that's nespark.com 662-238-3159 phone service 
portal controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender, and much more. So call the office for details and get the best internet in Lafayette County. Again, that is 662-238-3159. Kemp Alderman will be making a public appearance at Style Assembly on the Square in Oxford on Mother's Day. That's May 14th from 1 to 3 p.m. Stop by to hang out with Kemp, get autographs, take pictures, ask questions in a personal one-on-one setting. It's all free, and there will also be a limited number of posters available on site for him to sign if you don't want to bring your own merchandise. Speaking of Mother's Day, it's just around the corner. Let the ladies at Style Assembly help you find mom the perfect gift, whether it's clothing, jewelry, shoes, purses, sunglasses, or a gift card. They simplify the process with wish lists. Just have mom fill out a list at the store or over the phone, and Kate, the owner, and her team will keep it on file. So you have to do is call, stop by, choose something off the list, get the exact thing down to the color and size that mom wants. They'll even gift wrap it for free. It's perfect for Mother's Day, graduation, birthdays, anniversaries, and any other special occasion. They also ship straight to your door. So stop by the store on North Lamar next to Mine Pig or call them at 662-638-3163. You can also DM at Shop Style Assembly on social media to place an order. And then last but definitely not least, spring is here and it's time to refresh your outdoor spaces. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services is your go-to for professional power washing. From your home's exterior and sidewalks to your deck and patio, the team has experience equipment equipment to get the job done right with the advanced power washing techniques and attention to detail. They can remove dirt, grime, and mildew to reveal a fresh and clean surface. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services has been serving the Mid-South for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof applications, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. So contact Heavenly Sunshine Property today and get a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. Visit the website at heavenlysunshine.com or give Sandy a call at 662-342-1203, 662-342-1203 to book your free estimate today. Use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Like, I'm trying to think of... I mean, I get 2015. I know stuff happens. I get it. But at the end of the day... If Arkansas is what's keeping you out of the playoff, you weren't good enough to make the playoff. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, because you're not saying you got to beat all three. You're saying you got to beat the two of the three. Yeah. Lose to LSU, lose to Alabama, and lose to Texas, and you can still get in, nine and three. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And I think that's why, like, in the end, in the end, I think the answer has to be football. It's because of margin for error. It feels like there will be a much bigger margin for error to just because the title's not the question's not winning a game in the CFP. Yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah I no, think that's I think that's actually a more interesting question. What would you bet on first, winning a playoff game or making a Sweet Sixteen? Right. I think in that case, though, I think I would go Sweet Sixteen. Do you think Beard has him in the tournament within two years? Hell, I think he could have him in the tournament this year. Yeah, I do too. I mean, look at the. St- I mean, how many teams did the SEC get in this year? Nine? Uh, it was eight, right? Seven or eight? Um, and it's only better. It's not worse. Like at all. I think now, some they, of what you're talking about a minute ago about seeding, they got exposed more with the seeding being kind of poor compared to Ken Palm and different analytics that had Connecticut correct. and some of those teams much higher. All right, let's see. Where's come on, Wikipedia? Do your thing. All right, sort them by conferences. Where are you? That's what exactly. You knew where I was headed. 
Yeah. So yes, they, they, they tied the Big Ten with eight for okay. most. Okay. But to your point, when you add Texas and Oklahoma, it's only going to be. That's only yes, going to be. It's, it's, it's eight at minimum. It might be nine or ten. Different day and age than when, uh, you know, I think when I first got down there, I think the SEC was getting two or like a two or three bid league. Yeah. But like yeah. that also kind of like shows that was always absurd. Like that was clearly a overreaction to SEC football dominance. Like, well, they're, it's just a football league. They don't care about basketball. And then we've now seen like the overcorrection. Like, I don't know. Did the SEC deserve eight teams? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, sure. that, that, that feels like extremes in the other way, but it always balances out in the end. They did go nine and eight. So you had one who, oh, yeah, state made the first four. Yeah. Only three Sweet 16 teams, no Elite Eight teams. Correct. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. And it's, well, it's, it's kind of what we thought they were. I mean, outside of Alabama, who had plenty of problems, they were a lot of really good, solid teams, no Elite team. Yeah, and like that's kind of the other thing. When Houston and Alabama are essentially trading punches the whole year for the number one team, yeah, probably a good indicator that uh, crazy things are going to happen in basketball that year. You uh, you can't pick L.A., Chicago, or New York, but if you got to move to a bigger market, where are you picking? So I can't move to L.A., Chicago, or New York. You can't pick one of the top three markets, correct? Well, I wouldn't move to two of them because they're cold. <laughs> and I wouldn't move to the third because I've lived there and I, I moved back for a reason. Um, my first thought is probably somewhere in Florida. Tampa-ish. Um, okay. Uh, you would go Florida over like Dallas? So the uh, the other two options in my head were Dallas or uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Ooh. whatever. Oh, I like that. Um, I didn't think about that. So that might be the answer, honestly. You still get a lot of good sports. Well, and the negative for me, this is what people don't want to talk about that have never lived in the Eastern time zone. The Eastern time oh. zone sucks. It's It's horrible. the worst TV time zone. Correct. Especially if you're a sports fan. And just judging by the way I'm wired, I don't think I'm just going to decide all of a sudden I don't care about sports. So that's going to suck. Um, oh, you can make the argument that Phoenix might be, or that, that area might be the number one location on all factors to move to. You could also make an argument for Vegas. Vegas is not the strip for like people that live. You, it's, yeah, no, it's, no, 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 no. It's no, definitely no. cheaper to get a house. Like, Much a cheaper nice- than Scottsdale. Nice new house. It's going to be cheaper in Vegas. Um, You don't have to do Phoenix does this weird thing where and I don't know, maybe this will get solved when we get rid of daylight savings time. But Phoenix is in the mountain time zone for half the year and then the Pacific time zone. I want to be in Pacific time zone. Like it's the best time zone for a sports fan. So that would be my argument for Vegas. But I think those would be I think that's what we're looking at. Somewhere in Florida, warm, Phoenix, Vegas, Dallas. And I think I'm the more I talk it out, the more I'm removing Dallas. 
Dallas is just bigger, nicer, but like bigger, nicer, better Memphis. Like what, you know what I mean? Central time zone. It's similar terrain. The weather's the same. Why would I, you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't I just live somewhere where it's cheaper? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There is a big push for Vegas as you're talking. I think Arizona is my answer, though, as I'm thinking through. I think Brant had this thing right. Oh, Brant Brant did this right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's whatever. I, I, I know we, we've done Fire Away Friday for years, and I know you've probably gotten this question, but I don't know what your answer is. What's your favorite sports memory? Like, as in playing or? No, uh, period. Just you. fan, whatever. Yeah. Ooh. What do you got? All right, so racking my brain when you ask the question, the ones that came to the top of the mind, see if you'd agree with this. Okay. 03 Auburn, because we were my dad and I were there. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we were, we were, my dad and Blair was there. So two, uh, my brother and I and my dad, because I started thinking about that. Me being a quote-unquote Ole Miss fan growing up, you realize so much of it, or at least for me personally, so much of it's just tied to, well, my dad was an Ole Miss fan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, oh, like, sure. I think back, it's not necessarily, it was nothing special about the school in particular. Like, obviously, I didn't go there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, like, the same pull to the school was not as impactful on me as it was other people. But, like, I loved the road trips. Like, I loved going to stuff with my dad. So, 03 Auburn was pretty fun because we were also, we were in the, we were in the, the Ole Miss section. And so we're in that corner of the end zone and we have no idea that Ben Obamani dropped it. Like we had, you know what I mean? Like we just heard, all we heard was the stadium go from, it's the, it's the most surreal thing I've ever experienced in terms of noise. It went from the most piercingly loud shriek to dead silence. And we had no idea what happened. It's like before the day, and Auburn did, I don't even think got a jumbotron at that point, or we could, we didn't have a great angle of it. So we yeah. have no idea what happened. We just know that they didn't score. Um, yeah, whatever it was was good, but that's all I got. Correct. And then we had a decent view of, we had a decent view of the fourth down play where they knocked it away. And so like, that was, that was pretty fun. That was also like one of those games where you realize like, God, Eli's good. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Like he's he's awesome. Like when he hit that, there was like a like a like a in between like a cover two fade to Bill Flowers up the seam. You're like, God, there's only like two guys in the two guys on the planet right now that can make that throw. He's one of them. Um, let's see. That basketball Sweet 16 run was pretty fun because I, I do actually like basketball. Um, Mickelson 04 winning the Masters was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's up there. Mickelson, Mickelson uh, 2013 British Open. And Ooh. then now. But that but that's also part of Mickelson's British Open includes the U.S. Open at Marion whatever, like three weeks before or a month before, which is like one of the most devastating. If you're a Mickelson guy, it's one of the most devastating losses. It was the most, it was peak Phil. Like just you. It's the second most devastating loss he's had outside of Wingfoot. Yeah, it's, I actually think Marion was worse than Wingfoot. He was hitting it like crap against Wingfoot. He was just an idiot in Marion, which is the Phil the Thrill experience. He went Um, to the last hole with a lead and hit two dumb shots. Two dumb shots. The Cardinals. I thought the Cardinals 06 run was more fun than the 11 run because it was like. Even being down and like the freeze and the whole deal. Yeah, because that was miserable. Like that was just like the whole time. Like that that was a miserable. The the, the 06 one was just like, oh, yeah, we're just that team. Like we're hot. Everything's going our way. Um, That one was more fun. You were the pro version of kind of Ole Miss last year. We went, oh, whatever, throw it out there. It's fine. It'll we'll figure yeah, it out. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, they they were very similar teams. Like they yeah. both should have been better than what they were, but they got healthy and they kind of figured out their pitching rotation at the right time. Uh, let's see. Because like my my number one answer for sure, it's the Saints going to the Super Bowl, not winning. It's beating the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. Favre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the Super Bowl is great, but I spent like half that game not really even caring, just going, hey, we're here. It's all good. That's There's something about getting over the hump to get to it that was more meaningful, especially when it's like, you know, the overtime and the last second kick and all that. So I think that would be the case for me if the 07 Super Bowl wasn't against the Patriots, the undefeated Patriots. Because that okay. game against the Packers, the NFC Championship game against the Packers in overtime, that's an interesting point that you make. Both NFC Championship games, I think, are more memorable football games, but the others are the Super Bowl. And it's Correct. like the the seven, you know, whatever, the 18 and 0 Patriots, and then beating the Patriots twice was just the best. God, that was God, it's just fun to beat them. Um but like the, because if you go football brain and go, hey, what's the most memorable play to you that you've seen as a fan? It's Hartley's kick going through to beat the Vikings. It's not Tracy Porter's interception of Peyton that basically clinched the title. Or Hank Hank Basket not recovering the onside kick. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good enough. All right, fair enough. I'm trying to think. Um, that is that's an interesting. I'm trying to think if that's the Super Bowl that I watched. I was sober. Watching it, I watched every play. I feel like I have the least recollection of that Super Bowl for any of like the ones that I was like clearly locked in. 
This it wasn't at a Super Bowl party. Like I wasn't like, you know, even though I was in college, it's not like we were at a party. We were watching at my house, and it was the rule at my house is if you're watching the Super Bowl, you're watching the Super Bowl. Like this is a football first family here. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're in. We're locked in here. Look, that's what we do. This okay, is cool. a, listen, Sweet. there are plenty of places that you can go and socialize and have a Super Bowl party. This is the last football game. We will be okay. watching football. Like, I, I'm not yeah. having any of this. Like, I just want to, like, let's play squares. Like, no. you can go play squares with the alpha feeds. I don't care. Yeah. <sighs> Completely off topic, but I'm sure you have an opinion. Uh, this is on the board. Whose fault was it in 500 days of summer, Tom or Summer? Okay, because I think this question's been posed on the board before, right? It has. It was a huge threat. That's why I mentioned okay. it. You got to ask here. I'm going Tom, and here's why it's I'm Tom, going and Tom. it's not close. She was honest from the beginning. Correct. Now, she could have she could have given him the Heisman, but she was bored. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it's Tom all the way. I also, she was a shithead there at the end. I get it. Yeah, but yeah, but guess what? Like human beings, like she she doesn't become a shithead unless he puts her in that position. Oh, that's a good point. He's light and just whatever. Right. Cool. I'm just gonna enjoy whatever yes. with this this chick. Correct. Still my favorite rom com. It's really good. It's it is. How many other movies are as realistic as that? Like, oh, because it's still got some Hollywood elements, but it's like, yeah, no, that's what happens in real life. Like, that's what happens. Yeah, it's almost got enough of an independent film vibe where you go, yeah, okay. Yeah. Just tell me a story. It's the most believable, viable, like everything. Music's good. Um, shout out to Temper Trap. I, I don't know if I've ever heard Temper Trap in the wild, but I only hear that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really like that movie too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, quickly, Diamond Reb asking Bianco era weekend rotation closer. You only can factor in the guy at their best. Uh, Palm Nikhazy Lynn and Biddle to close. I get Delusia's lifetime achievement award, but that's where I'm going. So, that's what it is. All right, wait. You went. You went. Drew Lance. I went Drew Nikhazy Lance with Biddle closing. Biddle has to be the closer. We're in agreement there, right? That's Although, not even a question. Can I use Biddle? Like, when they move, you Biddle can start him if you want. I mean, <laughs> I he was never... also, well, yeah, an elite starter. So, sure. Yeah. I I'll, remember I'll watching, <laughs> well, that, remember that was it LSU. I remember watching on my old MacBook. I was in Switzerland on a Saturday night, or no, Sunday. Yeah, Saturday night. Watching Biddle against LSU, it was like a one nothing game, and I think he gave up maybe like one ball out of the infield and got beat one to nothing. Like, who is he? Does he deserve to be in the starting conversation? Is my question. I mean, he probably does. I mean, I, I'm going with sheer like I'm, I'm kind of doing the Bianco thing. Just give me the high heat and the slider, but probably. Yeah, I mean, I that wasn't I, I get slider. It. That was something else. That the. Uh, Blair, he, he called it a cutter, but it was not really even a cutter either. Called it a spike. Yeah. Because Blair and my buddy Michael, who used to play for Ole Miss, that was 
Michael, that was going to be Michael. Michael, who's always struggled to throw a breaking ball. My brother never struggled to throw a breaking ball. Um, that was like, yeah, Biddle, Biddle's teaching me the spike. Like, that's going to be my out pitch. And I'm like, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't think so. Like, that's not how this works, actually. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I don't think you just like learn that. I think you like screw around. You're like, oh, oh hmm, look at this. Uh, Drew, I think, yeah, I think it has to be Drew Lance. I think the way you did it's probably, probably best. Like, Biddle. I just have a really hard time leaving Doug out because I like him. Who would be the other? Who would be the other closer? Oh, here's, um, a more, here's a more fun one. Most frustrating of those, like starters. Three, you got to pick three most frustrating starters and closer, but who are still good. Correct. I mean, the closer is the easy one. And God, I love you. I'd love to have you back on the show. It's Brett Huber, or is uh, it Satterwhite? <sighs> He just was bad, though, as a closer, frankly. I mean, he led the freaking team in wins. That's not good. It's not a positive. Speaking of guys that couldn't throw a breaking ball. Yeah, um, I mean, threw the hell out of it. Man, he threw hard. Yeah. He no. threw really hard. Had a really no. interesting career, too. We had him on the show a couple years ago. He's, he talked about being in Japan and nice guy. I think you're right. Hubes uh, definitely has to be that because – God, nobody liked to to fall behind an account like Huber. Um, I mean, our buddy Mike, to an extent, because, I mean, he has all the talent in the world, but kind of had a hard time just putting full seasons together. Was asked to do a lot. I think Mike's problem was they, they just threw him too much. They did. I mean, there's no – I mean, they, they rode him and Bobby. Yeah. Bobby also the most underrated starting pitcher in the Bianco era because he was not on a team that did anything. I mean, he came in and was – 11, 12, 13 during that shit run during Mike before the World Series. But that guy was absolute nails on Friday for two seasons. What are we doing, Nathan Baker? You want to talk about all the talent in the world? Mike, in, here, here's your hot take. Here's your hot take. Mike in 2023, coaching Nathan Baker. Nathan Baker's a first team All American. That's probably fair. Mike could not manage him because he needed a different type of coaching. You couldn't just yell at him and rail him. Struggled with it. Mike had not sort of figured that out yet. I, I think he's an All-American in 2023. Nathan's one of the all-time stuff guys. Like, just oh God. pitches ever. Like, Nathan is an all-time stuff guy. I mean, it's one of the reasons. And look, I was younger, so this plays into it because you're closer to their age. You know them a little better. But that 2009 team is probably my favorite team to ever cover with Phil and Nathan and Biddle and Drew and that whole group. God, I love Phil Irwin. Yeah, Phil's just super. I mean, just just super. Yeah, I, I do love Phil. Underrated guy. That's like because I, I had a question here that I wasn't going to mention, but somebody said, hey, if Biddle doesn't get hurt, do they win the national title? I don't know if they win the title, but they're definitely one of the two or three best teams in the country. And they get Even Jake. I, I like Jake Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good underrated closer. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, if you weren't in sports media, what, what are you doing? What job? Uh, probably selling something, right? I'm a white oh. guy. Um, 
you going back to your your food days? Hopefully, I would have been by that point. I would have figured out how to get out of food. Feels like I'm probably selling a medical device of some sort. Like at a certain point, like if I'm not doing what I want, I'm gonna figure out. Okay, how can I make the most money given my skill set? The problem though with me in sales is like I'm not really that good at sales. Like, (laughs) well, that is a problem, Jeffrey. That that would be an issue. But I think I would have figured it out. Like I would never have like led the company or led the region in sales, but I would have done. But you're good at networking. I mean, and I don't know. I mean, so people that do this for a living already tell me I'm completely nuts. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that more about likability and networking versus necessarily pushing a product? That's what the reason why I think I say sales is in the end, it becomes a effort business, I think more than anything. And it's like showing up and that's, probably what I do best. Um, I suppose I could have gone back and done something in finance. Um, the, the reality is I'm just really not like qualified to do a whole lot more other than what I do. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's winning at O'Kill next week? Hmm. Um, well, let's toss out my boy. He's in sa- he's in he's in sourpuss season. We just can't go there right now at all. Well, I I do think it's not surprising that last year was one of his best major years that he's had in a decade because he left Augusta. He left Augusta feeling good, even though he didn't win. This year we're it's back a- to the. I'm not giving him no more majors, but if I set the over under at five and a half for his career, what are you doing? Probably under, right? Yeah, I mean, he had won one in 10 years now. What if it's... Who do you think wins one first, him or Speed? I, I, I Look, when he misses the cut, you make fun of me. I actually think Speed might win next week. Oak Hill's a decent spot for him. I also, though, I don't know... I'm not as well-versed. Maybe I'm the- pulling for him because I'm just ready to see a career grand slam. So I always pull for Speed and PGAs. And I always pull for Rory the Masters. Just give me, give me, give me the career slam. I've not like locked in on the course changes. If it if it's the Oak Hill that Duffner and Sean McKeel won at, then all of a sudden I think I like Spieth more. But if they've opened it up, if they've opened it up and just turned it into a driving contest, I don't like Spieth. Also, I'm not. I don't think Spieth's healthy, right? Well, he's no, oh, that's true. I kind of forgot that he sat out this week. So never mind. Never mind. I, I completely forgot that. I mean, he skipped the Byron Nelson, which means he can't play because he would have played that event. That's a good point. Also, I was picking a guy potentially to win who can't hit it straight right now and can't make makeable putts. Not exactly a major championship pedigree coming in. And it feels boring to pick Scheffler or Rom just because they're the best, two best players on the planet right now. Right. And my first gut was. Scheffler, because I think Rom is in the I just won the Masters. Like when I saw him, by the way, Rom has got this new Rom's Rom is like quickly moving up like the endearing list to me because Rom's got this new move where he like pulls up his pants. It's like a fat guy pants pull up move, but it's so natural. It's like in the middle of his walk. And he he just feels like like I won the Masters like I respect a guy that when his wife gets pregnant, he puts on the weight. 
It's not even sympathy weight. It's that he puts on all the weight for Kelly. Look, not making fun at all for a guy who needs to lose 20, but like it always kind of, when you talk about with Reed, as much as those pro golfers walk, are they just eating like crazy? I think I mean, he's not obese or anything. I mean, Rob's not exactly necessarily out of shape per se, but still. I mean, I think it has to be. It's it's always the the same answer. It's a combination of diet and then what are they drinking? Yeah, alcohol. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, do you fair. think Rom feels like a guy that's not afraid to go open up that second bottle of red? Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I think he's the guy that absolutely lives well. Yes. He, the, the, he, the tomahawk, yes, I will. The red, yes, I will. Sounds great. We got a creme brulee? All right, hey, I'll try it. He also strikes me as the guy that when he is at breakfast, he's discussing where they're eating lunch, and when he's at lunch, they're discussing where they're eating Oh, you dinner. think he's that guy, the food guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He feels like, to me, like the most important, like the thing... You could take away all the money for him. Like, I would imagine a lot of his, like, best moments of his life are food-related. I'll buy that. Yeah, 100%. With Reed, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. He's, he's uh, the worst. I know we've got, like, five minutes left, so I'm going to get this, this question because I actually am curious about your thoughts. So I'll read the whole thing. Non-political question, your thoughts on Tucker Carlson moving to broadcasting on Twitter and disruption in general or traditional news media. Rogan, Corolla, Clay Travis, Megan Kelly blaze the way. Getting both of your thoughts from two people who broadcast a show in different ways. Do you predict if Carlson is successful with his move, will others do the same, or will it only be successful if you're if it's your niche or big a big whale like Carlson and Megan Kelly? So the the biggest question that I have is do we know financials of him going to Twitter? Because they are arguing there's no actual deal, but my guess is he's going to have a very accelerated ad revenue cut that is never made public. My thing is, like, they can argue that there's no deal. Tucker's not going there for free. So they've discussed That's what I'm saying. I think it's one of those where, hey, we're going to put some ads in and you're going to get this under the table extra generated revenue that, frankly, is not available to the public. So I'm watching it closely. And the reason why I'm watching it closely is... Tucker strikes me as the guy that could wind up showing a new way to do it because it seems to me like we can nitpick all the reasons why Tucker got fired. It seems pretty simple to me. They got, they got absolutely raked over the coals and Oh, whatever. Like they lost a $700 million lawsuit. They have potentially another $800 million lawsuit, and he was making, what, $25 million a year? Like, yeah, okay. He, when, he made a lot of money, and he cost them a lot of money. Now their, their ratings are down with him gone, but still. Here's the thing, though. I, it I, takes I, a – go ahead. So I'm watching him closely because this was surprising that he went to do this. Like, I figured he was just going to – because he has his own studio and his house and everything. I figured he was just going to launch his own thing. And the fact that he's going to Twitter is interesting to me because unlike What's coming other, things. Well, like it's, unlike every other blowhard on the planet, I don't think Elon Musk is an idiot. And I think what he is eventually trying to turn Twitter into is one-stop shop for everything. 
there's a couple of things with Carlson's move. One is with Twitter, he doesn't have to worry about demonetization that he would have to do if he was just going to YouTube. Yep. Because they could easily cut him. Two, he really wants the video element of it. So he wasn't going to pick, hey, I'm going to go do a podcast now on Spotify and let them pay me millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, there's and also then the he either does Spotify, does Spotify still have the money? Because like Rogan's deals up. Um, like there's the question of is Spotify going to pay what they did? Like Spotify, I mean, they paid a baz- they paid a bazillion dollars to Rogan and Bill Simmons, and Alex Cooper. Like that's the other yeah, thing. Like yeah, they yeah, gave yeah. Alex Cooper way too much money for what she is, and so is is there going to be a market correction there? And then the other two things is I wonder either if he wanted to stay more quote mainstream because Twitter is more mainstream than say taking a deal from the Daily Wire or Blaze or something like that, or if they simply couldn't afford him. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what the financials are, either one of those two companies. And then to answer the second part of the question, it takes numbers to that level to make a complete killing off of video formats, whether it be Twitter or YouTube. The amount of, I mean, I'll take our shop here. I mean, we're not the smallest, but we're far from big. We make exponentially more money off podcasts than if we were just relying on YouTube hits. It's just not even close from a CPM standpoint. Yeah. And that, like, that's the other question. Like, is now podcasting? too saturated and so yeah you know net there's the there's the there's plenty of media studies that show podcasts are dying um you know he's not gonna he's not gonna do the traditional media route so you knew he wasn't gonna go to radio isn't gonna go to another tv station i i'm watching it closely because um i think tucker's smart and i think tucker might be the guy that's willing to dip his toe in first and I'm I'm interested to see if this is a new approach. Oh, I'm incredibly fascinated because I am wondering if Musk, as you're saying, is almost wanting to build a YouTube type model through Twitter somehow and what that looks like from a search function and how they redesign every everything from a database standpoint to even handle that. Because I don't oh, know I the think, answer to that. I, I think it's even bigger than YouTube. Like I think he wants to be like a search engine, YouTube, everything all in one. I think he wants to be like Amazon. Oh. Google, you like all like I think he wants to be everything. I, I think he wants to do like you'll do instead of Venmo, you'll use Twitter or whatever, you know, whatever he ends up really? branding it. Yeah, like, I think he wants to do every I think he wants it to be like a one stop shop for everything in your life. Oh wow. I think that's his eventual goal. After not really caring if he wanted it or not. I think he's literally like he he if you listen to him closely, he talks about Twitter being the forum. And the forum, yeah. going back to ancient Rome, it was, an you know, it was it's the marketplace. It's the place where you had political discussion. Like I think that's what he views it. Like that's he wants it to be like everything in your life in one place. Yeah. Last thing, appreciate the time. The uh, the Sixers are they going to finish it off tonight in Philly, and then is Denver going to finish it off in Phoenix? CP three out tonight for the Suns, and uh, DeAndre Ayton is questionable. I feel better about Denver because the more you look at Phoenix, the more you realize like, God, Devin Booker was just incredible in those two games. And like he was incredible in the first half of game five and that kept it close. And then he he wasn't bad in the second half, but he just wasn't like otherworldly. And so I just think Denver has been better than Phoenix for much more that season. I got no freaking idea with Boston because Boston is clearly the better team, but like they look broken. So I'll say 
neither goes game seven. But that's I'm more I'm more inclined to believe that Philly the moment the moment the moment could be a little too big for like Philly has like a game three where they're coming home, they're all fired up, and they, they just can't get it going. I can see that situation happening as well. 30 seconds here. JJ Reddick interviewing for the Raptors job. What do you buy? Do you buying or selling Reddick as like NBA coach? I'm selling only because I'm not sure that's what he wants to do. Like, if you're a coach, like, you want to coach. Like, he's had multiple opportunities to go be a coach. This felt like, all right, I'm going to get my name out there and, and maybe. This, this didn't feel like I, I want an NBA job. Smart guy. Damn good in media analysis. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah, so anyway. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Right. Jeffrey Wright joining us there on the My Perfect Franchise hotline. Appreciate his time. I'll, uh, I know there's more questions. i am got some stuff going on this morning. I will get to some of those as the day moves on. I'll answer them in written form, so you can go to rebelgrove.com if you ask something. And I'll, I'll probably not hit all of them because some of them were quite long and tedious, but I will hit, hit a good many of those throughout the uh, the day on that. And then uh, remember, Ole Miss and Auburn starting up tonight, 7 o'clock. Again, 7 o'clock ESPNU. Tomorrow, SEC Network Plus at 6.30. And then the finale on Saturday, their last uh, weekend home game of the year. Ole Miss has a uh, midweek next week with Austin P to close the home schedule for the season before finishing up at, uh, at Alabama. So uh, anyway, that is uh, today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Back with you soon with uh, myself and Mr. McCready on uh, Monday morning. In the meantime, a lot of coverage at RebelGrove.com. We're on commitment watch for multiple sports potentially. So uh, stay locked in and we will talk to you very soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.